This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 777. Brought to you by DC Universe Online, the popular superhero MMO just released their new expansion, World of Flashpoint. Inspired by the events of DC's Flashpoint storyline, you can download and play it free today on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. And of course, I fanboy listeners just like you, washing your hands, wearing your mask, doing the right thing, getting through it together. Don't stop
Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 777. I like that number. I like seven on its own. I like when you put several Sounds of them good. together. Yeah, well, my birthday is 22777, so <laughs> it's a thing. I am Josh Flanagan. Uh, I'll be reading out my social security number later. And I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. And just for our records, what is your mother's maiden name? Uh, I was very close to saying it just because. Yeah. And I realized that's a terrible idea. thing is, like, that's a terrible password. Yeah, it's it really easy to find that information out. Yeah, it's not great. Hey, can I just tell you, it has been a garbage week. And I've very much been looking forward to doing this show today. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever say we're not Generation X. I'm sorry, man. I got, like, no sleep last night, so I'm, like, a, I'm a basket case right now. This will be a fun Maybe. show. You're super excited. I w- I just want to be asleep, so it's all it's all it's all gonna be fine. Should we start with what hurts? What doesn't? Uh, <laughs> I seriously, I did some yard work a week and a half ago, and I wrecked some tendon in my thumb, and now everything hurts again. Ooh, right? The same tendon you're always hurting? No, it's the one on the other hand. Oh man, I know. Yeah. This is, it's just, I mean, I don't drink enough water. I'm just assuming that's what it is. We are a fanboy. <laughs> we are exploring this thing called middle age and, uh, it is endlessly fascinating and you'll just all have to deal with this. People who've been listening forever can go back and chart this. Mm. We've been ready to be old men since we were, in our, since we were 25. I think that's clear. This is about comic books though. Oddly enough, <laughs> uh, every, we read a stack of comics. One of us picks the one that they like the best. We call that the pick of the week. We were going to talk about that book. We read other books. There's a patron pick. It will answer listener if we have time. I mean, I'm I'm here to have fun, Connor. Yeah. Are you here to have fun? Sure, of course. Why else would we be here? <laughs> you really you put more into that than you did just a few minutes ago, yeah, and I well, appreciate it. I'm trying to wake up. There are spoilers. We'll talk about what happens in the books. We don't do it to be mean. No. That's not that's not what that's not what we're about. You gotta do it. This week, Connor had the pick, and what he said was this should have been it before, and it's gonna be it every time. <laughs> not every time. But yeah, this I know, I know how this is gonna go. Writing a wrong. Pick the week nightwing seventy nine. Another big week of books. I didn't have, I think last week I had almost 30 books. This week I had somewhere in the low 20s. So it was still a pretty heavy week of comic reading. Yeah. And some of them are, were much longer than normal. I kept get, getting to like 40 page books and I was like, come on. I I had that exact experience <laughs> at least twice this week. Like I was going through it and I was like, why isn't this over? <laughs> <laughs> we all like great <laughs> comics. We do. But sometimes you have a lot to read to do the show and you're, you're like, oh, come on, 40 pages. Anyway, where are we? Nightwing. What's great about this book is, first of all, Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo, Adriana Lucas, Wes Abbott is a creative team. And continuing on from the last issue in which Nightwing is settled back in the Bloodhaven and Barbara Gordon showed up to let him know that he is now a billionaire due to Alfred's inheritance. And what does that mean for his life now as they walk around and eat some pizza? Now, I don't want to make this a thing. We talked about egregious food habits in comics before with the with mm-hmm. Kate Bishop eating her taco from the middle. And oh God! Again, hold on. You and I, I mean, don't hold on. You should talk. This is this is we're going to page seven in a digital reader as as Barbara and Dick sit on a bench and and contemplate an awesome statue while eating pizza from the local pizza joint. Now I grew up in. New oh, York. that's not. You lived in New York for many years. You, you can't just eat a slice of pizza like that. It's a greasy, delicious goodness that's going to get all over your clothes if you're going to eat the pizza that way. Honestly, yeah. you've got two. Two problems here. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's the same in every panel. So it's it's not like they moved along. Now, some, the barber is holding a slice 
which has its own, uh, which is, this seems very crisp. That's going to be all over her clothes. It's just going to drip grease all over her pants. Yeah. Well, there is a line where New York pizza is foldable, needs to be folded. Yeah. Yeah. There's other pizza in the world. New England doesn't tend to do their slices that big, so they don't need to be sliced. But you still need to, you have to crimp a little. Ideally, you get it in a paper plate that you hold it. Yeah. Also, let's back up one page. I didn't even notice this before. Page six. This is this is the this is this is egregious. Oh. <laughs> They're holding the pizza by the middle. Like hand the this pizza's cold. That's what I. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the only way you could eat it like that. This is yeah. day old pizza because they both are palming the top of the slices. So, okay, and then and then finally, just to put this all in a way, back to the other page, Dick is not eating his pizza because he's 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 thinking he's a little sad. and he's holding it upside down, and and the pizza is staying together. Uh, so imagine you take a pizza, you hold it by the crust, and you hang it down as if you were holding up a proclamation. That pepperoni's gonna fall right off that one, unless, as we looked at the previous page, it's stone cold. <laughs> it's basically frozen. That's the only time you can do that. So here's my question. Yeah. Either Bruno Redondo, this is a beautiful book. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. I have no other problems with this book. I didn't even notice this stuff, but now that I have, it's a little ruined. Has he (laughs) never seen pizza? I find that hard to believe. I will give Dick this. There are some people who I think are animals who will, when getting a New York slice, will then turn it like that and have the grease drip off of it. As a maintenance sort of move. I assume it's a health thing. (laughs) He could theoretically be degreasing his slice. But you, know, you do that with a napkin and a dab, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's what's happening here. Besides, both their hands now are just greasy messes from the previous page. Yeah, you think maybe it was a choice that, like, <laughs> hey, let's put it in the story that these people have no idea how to do pizza. <laughs> these fabulously beautiful people who are awesome at everything else in their lives just don't know how to eat pizza. Honor, I have bad news though. What? If you want to move on to page nine oh, of no. the pizza party, it. It goes on from there. There's other methods of poorly eating pizza. It's a pizza apocalypse. Several people are holding it as if they're the slice as if they're waiters. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, you're right. Jeez. So he either thinks that's how pizza is done, or he said, "I can't draw it that way. I'm not going to." The girl in the um, like pirate cap is holding it like Barbara earlier, and then the other guy is holding it into his mouth as if he's a waiter. <laughs> I, th- th- this pizza place serves fries also from McDonald's. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. So anyway, let's talk about the book because this is, <laughs> I mean, this, this is, is what, by the way, this is what happens when you move DC out of New York city and you put it into Los Angeles. Exactly. It's just, it's just a disaster. There's no one in your editorial staff to say, hold on a second. In fact, if DC <laughs> wanted to hire me just to vet all their food. Choices. Whereas Marvel <laughs> still in Manhattan can't do tacos. <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough. So, <laughs> There's a shirt here somewhere. <laughs> you think about it. So, but Barbara and Dick go for pizza. They're talking about, you know, now Dick is a billionaire. What, what does that mean? And they come across a father and son who are homeless or down on their luck and they ask for some spare change, but no one has cash anymore. And so Dick has a brilliant idea. Hey, let's go buy you some food and so and get all your friends to come. And it's a strange, it's a strange group of, People who don't really seem all that homeless. It's particularly downtrodden? No, one guy's jacket looks like a fell in the mud. Other than that, he's dressed quite nicely. Yeah, he's got nice shoes. The other guy, the guy with the pirate girl, he looks pretty cool. And then there's a guy like middle-aged Marty McFly in line. Like, it's just everybody in line. So the pirate girl, that's what, that's what a homeless 
uh, uh, um, Generation Z <laughs> she's a, female looks like. She's manic pixie dream homeless. Yeah, I know. She's like, oh, like she just looks like one of the other girls in Almost Famous. Yeah, so that was weird. I was like, well, these just like, the random people on the street decided to get free pizza, which is fine. But it just it was an odd choice. Anyway. I mean, if you want to make the world a better place, that is going to radiate out when those people get home or not home, depending. So Dick's buying the neighborhood pizza from Marvin George's Pizza Place. 24-hour pizza place, by the way. Mm-hmm. In the midst of this, a couple of street punks steal his wallet, which I thought was really funny, uh, especially when it started blowing up in the bat chat, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. He's like, he's... Which is a gag that you're going to love that I keep coming back to. <laughs> and... We'll get to the tragedy in a second, but Dick goes off to find the punks who stole his wallet, and then it gets involved with the mob, because they then go try to rob a mafia boss's wallet. These kids have no sense of who they're robbing. Yeah. I mean, this guy's got bodyguards. <laughs> One's got a fedora on. They have a sense maybe they shouldn't rob this guy. Anyway. I mean, they're really good at what they do. Clearly. Clearly, they robbed Nightwing. So, in the midst of all that, the father-son duo are walking with their pizza, and out of the alleyway, like in Superman the movie, comes a gun. And they tells the kid to run off, and the guy shoots the father in the chest with this Inspector Gadget arm gun that grabs his heart out of his chest. And that was really sad. Mm-hmm. Look, Bruno Redondo, pizza issues aside, is terrific. The relationship between Dick and Barbara is terrific. And this sort of back-to-basics Nightwing book is terrific at all levels. The only thing I really sort of quibble with is it falls into the trap of a talking point that's very popular amongst certain... People spend a lot of time on Twitter and are a certain political persuasion. That is, these billionaire superheroes would be better off just giving their money away. And that doesn't make any sense in the context of the story or really the world. And Barbara calls it out, says it's a simplistic way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just exploring the idea. I mean, it, there's probably something to it. But at the same time, like, none of this makes sense. So that's one of those don't. But also, there's a line where Dick says, I always thought Batman could have done more as Bruce. But the thing is, like, if you think back to all these years of Batman stories, how many times is it a... Wayne Foundation Clinic, or Wayne Foundation Orphanage, or Wayne Foundation... It's not like he wasn't doing it. Like He was clearly funding a lot of social services in Gotham City. That's a good point. He was not not doing that thing. That was always, you know... Is Tony Stark doing that? I don't think he is. No. Like, he would if he thought of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of pages here with multiple Nightwings jumping around, which I always love. Yeah. The opening page with Nightwing Through the Years, obviously, I loved. And the double-page spread of all the people that have been there for Nightwing, all his father figures and friends and family... I noticed that that was a theme in the very beginning where he's like my parents, then my father and my other father. And I thought, oh, they're just they're leaning into this and not in a bad way. I mean, yeah. they're like they're, we're just accepting that this is how it is instead of just sort of, um, you know, assuming that they like they're they're they infer it, but they don't necessarily say it. And now they're saying it. Yeah, which I think is nice. I wanted to call it Adriano Lucas. We talked about his colors last time. Really terrific. I think there's, there's mm-hmm. a nice use of light. You talked about the, sh- the light and shadow in the last issue. That's at the, the beginning where Barbara and Dick are sitting in his dark apartment and the, the yep. sort of neon light from outside is coming in. It looks really nice. It's just a beautiful looking book. There's a bit, page 18, where basically a whole panel is a sound effect, but it's in you know Nightwing mm-hmm. colors. Blue. Thwack knock. Yeah, thwack knock. You just don't see that stuff anymore. That's yeah. really beautiful. I mean, we talked about it also. There's a clearly a lot of influence here of uh, Hawkeye and David Aja. Aja. There's one point where the fedora bodyguard just notices the pickpocket with the dotted eye towards the pickpocketing. Oh. There's a lot of that kind of thing. And that's necessarily bad things. It's art from 10 years ago. It will influence art of now. It works for this book of this character of this world. 
it's just a ton of fun. It's probably the most fun DC book right now, and it's full of great Tom Taylor characterization stuff. So they're very clean, homeless people at this camp. Mm-hmm. They they just look like regular kids who've done like a inner city camp out, but whatever. What's interesting, I think, is that it it's obviously comes from a Batman type of book, but it feels it has a different feel to it in the mm-hmm. coloring, in the motion of it. It's you know he he's not sitting in the shadows in much is the same way as Batman. He always has a different body language and he's always got, you know, he's, he's kind of excited to be doing it even though he's taking it seriously. Um, and it, it's interesting too that, you know, I like that. I think really good Nightwing artists tend to pull in that circus imagery. So yeah. when he jumps around and looks dramatic, you know, when he's doing it, like his body language, which is, you know, artful on the page also, it kind of has, it has a reason. It's not just, hey, this looks cool. There's a, yeah. there's a reason why he looks like that, why he puts his arms out while he – there's a fluidity to it. I think that and is really fun. There's a showmanship to it. Yeah, that separates it mm-hmm. from Batman. He's a showman. Mm-hmm. So this is, I think, the most fun DC book right now. I would urge everyone to check it out. The reboot started with 78. This is 79. And you can even read this issue without having read 78, but I would implore yes. you to also read 78. Jump back on Nightwing. Pizza issues aside. How about that page, the first page – where you see the Nightwing through the ages across a oof, 20, nope, nope, a 24-panel grid. Well, kind of. It's just basically a splash page with the grid. Marks. I know, but, you know, there's a grid. Yeah. There is a grid on that page, and it has 24 sections. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. When did he have the red co- When did he have the red thing? Uh, that was the New 52 reboot. They made okay. all the sidekicks had red, you know, Red Hood, mm-hmm. Robin, and they gave red. It made sense, but... Sure. Better with the blue. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. There were a lot of things to enjoy this week, and I actually really enjoyed the Old Guard Tales Through Time, number one, which is a new six-issue miniseries that features, I guess, various short stories featuring these characters through time. The first Not issue. all written by Greg Rucka. Right, or drawn by Leandro Fernandez. So the first right, story so. was by Rucka and Leandro Fernandez about, um, I don't know any of their names, but the main woman's training the, training the new one, the new immortal. This is... This was Charlize Theron Charlize and <laughs> the the other woman. So the original Old Guard miniseries we loved. We, it, it got four picks of the week out of six issues. The second one came out a long time after the first one. Not as good. That came out for the movie. The movie did really well. So now we got another one. It's about a bunch of people who are immortal and are basically mercenaries. They're the Immortal A Team. <laughs> so the first story was about the training of the new immortal who emerged in the first story, but mostly about. The axe. I really liked the conceit of the axe. I liked the story of the axe. And that was a real, like, oh, there's Greg Rucka, really, yes, you know, master storyteller kind of guy in this, I thought. Yeah. The, the way that it was spoken about, and, you know, she's like, oh, it's the same axe. And then as soon as you go back to the first flashback, like, it's clearly not the same axe. <laughs> it's her mother's axe, or whoever she thought was her mother. But throughout the years, the thousands of years she's been alive, the axe has been totally rebuilt and re- refurbished. And the other one's like, well, nothing's original. It's not the original axe. She's like, this is my mother's axe. It was, yeah. I thought it was a really great story. I also really like the, the conceit that, like, she doesn't know. She's like, I, I've forgotten. You know, like, you would. You'd forget. There's no way you could remember everything about it, right down to like, you'd forget kind of who your mother was, you know, yeah. and you just have bits of it. And I just, I think that's, that's really well done and cool. And, you know, what's interesting though, is as we move into the second story, like I didn't see from the beginning that it was, I mean, obviously I could see it was a different artist, but I didn't realize it was a different writer. Mm, Andrew Wheeler. Yeah. Like I, I didn't feel like anything jarring. You know, I, I, I thought it read like 
these characters. No, I thought the second story was really good too. It takes place in yeah. Berlin, nineteen thirty-two, which is obviously you know the Nazis have, Nazis have taken over, right, you know, right before the war. Just it's drawn by Jacopo Camagni. Yeah, that one. Keep going, Camagni. Camagni. The only downside was I just didn't know who I was looking at until you know. I was like, wait, these are the two guys? Because they look so different than how Ledger Hernandez draws Yes, yeah, the nose on the one guy was very different, which is funny because the actor that they got him to play in the movie looked exactly like Leandro Fernandez's drawing. <laughs> right. So, like, to not be able to draw him in here, you know what's one thing that's slightly disturbing? Yeah. There is pretty clearly Nazi junk in some of these pages. If you're looking, uh, let's see, I have it on page 26. Like, we're just about to have Nazi dick out. It's right there. And I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't even yeah, see that. It's, yeah, it's not obvious. But I was just like looking through the pages like, wait, is that? Oh, on the page those before, too. Those aren't underwear folds. He's not wearing And underwear. also, he's completely short. <laughs> he's ahead of his time. <laughs> I guess so. It's a great story. Yeah, this is the gay couple amongst the A-team uh, in 1932 Berlin at basically like a cabaret-esque place in Berlin. And... Have an encounter with a asshole Nazi officer and stop him from, you know, raping and murdering a dancer. And I thought it was a really good story too. Although, again, yeah. minor quibble. Pay uh, for you, Josh. Page twenty six, same page with the yeah the Nazi shaft. That gun is not right. The, mm. the the barrel should be on the top part. That's that is correct. At least he's consistent. Yeah. On the other panel, the first panel with the two guns, <laughs> it's the same way. I gotta say, I, I, uh, there's a bit, I think it made it into the movie, but like somebody's like, so you guys are gay? And, and, and he's just like, I love this person more than anybody. Like we've been, and I really like th- that relationship yeah. here. So the fact that they're gay almost stands out, or like somebody points it out, it almost stands out. I was like, no, no, it's way more than that. I just like the way that that relationship is phrased. And I feel like if we could think about it like that more often, then a lot of this conflict would not really exist. Like it's just, you know, I, I really, I just really like their relationship. And, how they've just been together forever yeah. and they still like to talk and, and be together. And I saw that movie. I don't remember a single thing from it. I liked it. I, I know that dislike, my I just, wife I liked it. I think I need it. to watch it again. I just don't think I paid attention. Yes. It was early yeah. on in the pandemic. I don't think I was really paying attention. <laughs> the Mighty Valkyries, number one. Just this, chattering with fear. The next volume of the Valkyries book. So this is actually Legacy Issue 15. It's such a small number. Why did they do number one? <laughs> 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 the Mighty Valkyries, number one. This said this also featured two stories. This is the week of noticing dumb shit. <laughs> so, the Jane Foster story by Jason Aaron, Torin Gronbach, and Mattia De Ulus on art, and then the new Valkyrie story, also known as the Valkyrie from the movies, by Torin Gronbach and Erica Deurso. Did you like them breaking it up into two different stories? It happened in a bunch of stuff this week. You know, like, like, it seems to be a thing that's happening more. One of the DC books too. Oh, but the Justice League is doing it. I feel like this, since it's called the Mighty Valkyries, it should. I feel like they should just interweave the stories together and told them. You know, I, cut I don't mind it. I didn't I hate care. it. But I thought maybe they should just make it one story. I mean, this is the thing that you know, people, newer readers might not know, but like this is was pretty normal for comics in yeah. the you know the golden age and in you in know the thirties and forties. Yeah, you know, there was a lot more of that sort of anthology thing, and you'd have to, you know, that's why if you go to, like, old Captain America, they were called Tales to Astonish. That's why they weren't called Captain America, because it was sort of two features and things. Well, even the 80s action comics had, like, three yep. stories. It was, like, Superman yeah. and the Guardian story and, like, you know. So like, I like, I like that as a thing. Yeah. 
you know, the, the problem obviously exists if one story is much worse than the other one. Right. And I think in this instance, I was much more invested in the Jane Foster story than the other. I would agree with you story-wise. I thought the art in the second story was much better. The Erica Dur- yes. Durso art. I didn't really like the Mattia de Ilus art. There was People had weird faces and... Yeah, I, like it kind of fits that this they've been doing this kind of thing in Thor for a bit, or at least they were during Jason Aaron's, where it's slightly realized. I, I don't know. I liked it. I didn't. I didn't. I liked the other style better for it, but I don't know. It looked unique enough. There's a shot of Hella, which is on page ten mm-hmm. digitally, where I don't know. I just I, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. It, her breast isn't making sense with gravity, but either way, well, she's in hell. I don't know if there's gravity in hell or what's. Yeah, cool. it's it's a good point. You know, I, it just looked. I kind of dug it. Oddly enough, I don't know why, because I'm I mean, looking it, at it, it now and I was like, if I wouldn't like this if I saw it most of the time, but I liked it in this issue. It's just issue 15 of the Valkyrie book, which you were previously reading. So it's like basically a continuation. Jane Foster is still working the morgue. Dr. Strange is the surgeon at the hospital. They have a nice little chat. There's like a giant wolf. Yeah, it's, it's the Fenrir story. Yeah. You know, basically Loki's son is Fenrir. He's the, in, in Norse mythology, he's the one who's going to bring about Ragnarok. But in this, what you have is Fenrir's children who are two souls that are in one body of a beast which is such a norse mythology thing to do mm-hmm. that's the story it's just a classic norse mythology story right pretty good i like yeah i really like the scene with with jane and, and strange mm-hmm. yeah i think i enjoyed it it's not, it was it was like one of those like oh, it's another fine issue like you know i liked it i didn't really think about it very much and the Tessa Thompson Valkyrie story in the back where she's in some distant corner of the galaxy and some planet where they have uh, captured a oracle, I assume a Norse oracle. Mm-hmm. And so they've been running their society through this oracle, making all the decisions, asking it questions. You're only allowed to ask it the one question, though. I really liked the scene a lot where yes. we're introduced to the oracle and the people asking him a question and he's like, they're all asking the wrong questions. And I thought that was a great scene where they're asking Which leads questions. me to go, would I ask the wrong question? I was like, I definitely asked the wrong yeah, question. Yeah, for sure. Do these pants yeah. make me look fat? That's the question. I'm sorry, I panicked. I thought that was a great scene where, where we were in his yeah. head and he's like, you know, he's telling us the truth of what they want to know, but not telling them because he has to answer the question they ask. That was mm-hmm. great. And this whole thing is just an excuse to give this new Valkyrie a name, which is Runa. So it was fine. Her new name is Grogu, which was a a classic uh, synergy mistake that happened to Disney. So I don't know if these stories are going to keep going separately. I mean, obviously for the next issue they are, but I don't know if this eventually they're going to meet up or what. But I enjoyed this book. I mean, that would be a really cool thing to do. Like that seems to like eventually like just sort of out of nowhere they, they come together and then it's a thing. That would be good. I'm sure they will. Did you read Red Baron? Volume one, the Machine Gunner's Ball. You told me about it, and I said, oh, oh, oh. that's the sound I made. And uh, then I forgot it because I didn't download it after I bought it. Mm. And then this morning I went, oh, I have to read that. And so I did, and I'm very glad that you said something about it. It is not exactly what I expected. No. But this but it was came really about cool. because it received votes in the patron pick, and they were talking about it on the Discord channel. And they was, I was like, oh, I read their description, and it was, it's on, it was on Comixology. It's, 49 pages, $6. It's a European comic published by Cinebook in Europe. This is our second week in a row talking about European comics. Augie DeBleek is probably happy right now. I'm down with having more European comics. 
like it's hard to find them on a weekly basis but yeah it's 49 pages it's basically like two issues worth of comics two and a half issues worth of comics in one and it's about world war one and the red baron it's a fictionalized story of the red baron it's fictionalized because this red baron has superpowers which i was yeah. like eh, but i was okay i know what you're saying also but I, this I, red baron played by christian bell is he yeah look Let's at page see. nine and ten man man oh yeah oh yeah he totally is isn't he He's an evil Nazi, or he's not a Nazi actually. It's pre-Nazi, but he has that same like. He looks exactly like. I mean, other than Christian Bale, he looks like the Nazi in the Old Guard. Yeah, same kind of like Aryan asshole thing going on. I really liked this. It was a kind of story I haven't read in a bit, and I know they did give him superpowers to a certain extent, but it was very subtle. It was a very lucky kind of like basically like. If somebody's scared, he can sense the danger and he, he can sort of see what their next move is going to be. He's describing it as mind reading. But honestly, I didn't I didn't I almost didn't even read it like it was a superpower. It's just that he's really perceptive. In it's on the line of it could be superpower. Yeah. It could just be that he's really good at guessing. He's good at reading body language. That's kind of how I took it. So it starts off with him in a dogfight. And uh, with a British plane and he kills the guy and then they both land and he watches him die. And he likes it. Because at first you're like, oh, he's kind of he's kind of sympathetic. Oh no, he's a monster. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. Is I was like, well, okay, in World War One, there was just two sides, yeah. you know, and it wasn't like there wasn't like Nazis. It was a big horrible war between countries because of all sorts of really strange things that happened and treaties and pacts. And I thought it, it'll be interesting. And you know, the Red Baron is a sort of cultural figure who's who's uh, survived, but is a you know was a real person. Yeah. They're the first fighter ace. And in this, you know, at first you're right. You're like, oh, this is, maybe they're just going to tell a story of this guy and there won't be sort of a morality judgment on it. And it's like, no, he's a serial killer. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you know, Manfred yeah. von Richthofen. And so we flash back to him as a schoolboy and he is in his military academy and he realizes as he's being attempted to be bullied by the prince and his, is it the prince or whatever his? Prince's family. Prince's son, I think. And his cronies that he can anticipate their moves and he beats them all up because he knows where they're going to punch and all that stuff. And then we jump forward to really the most disturbing part of this whole book was later on when he, with his creepy skull walking stick, he goes to the worst part of town in Berlin and just murders two people. That's the Hans are we the baddies skull moment (laughs) in that, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, he's, he's leaning into this. Yeah. Yeah. He's good-looking and intelligent, but but he's he's not good. He basically provokes a bunch of uh, Berlin gang members to attack him, and he beats them off. They run away. Okay, the guy... let's let's. He beats them up. He scares them off. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let's beat them off. <laughs> he beats beat them up. He scares them off, and uh, the one guy in on the ground. It turns out that the skull cane, not surprisingly, is also a sword, and he stabs the guy in the back of the neck and kills him. And then the woman who was there, he really brutally cold-heartedly kills with a strike to the temple it was crazy yeah i thought there was a great scene at the end with the bombing of the little resort town he's in i thought this was a really interesting book like i said not at all what i expected it to be but i did like it a lot it was there was a lot of things here that were really fun the art was good it was a little photoshoppy in times yeah but then other times it got really impressionistic yeah, if you look at the crowds in the lunch room and then yeah. the sort of last page is the, the the plane crashes into the church like it's a whole other thing he's He's going in between styles depending on sort of how much motion is happening mm-hmm. almost. There, you know, like it's really hard for me to put my finger on. And I was thinking about this the whole time I'm reading it. Like, well, what is it about a European comic that feels different? You know, mm-hmm. 
you know, on the basis, I'm looking, well, you know, it, it, there's a draftsmanship style, but this is still stuff you would see in American comics from time to time. The storytelling is not particularly different, but there's just, there's a different flavor that is happening here that is, is kind of refreshing. Because, but it's in the same, you know, you can read the language. It's, right. it's fine. I can't put my finger on it, though. But it just makes it, you know, that much more intriguing, I think. Maybe this is like a publisher or something I could keep my eye on to sort of get more of this in my weekly regimen. This kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. We want to thank DC Universe Online for sponsoring the show this week. The latest expansion for the DC Universe Online, World of Flashpoint, is out now. Unlike previous expansions, World of Flashpoint is free to everyone permanently. In this expansion, the Flash's time travel accidentally creates an altered timeline where everything and everyone is different. Thomas Wayne, Batman's father is Batman. Cyborg is the quintessential superhero. Wonder Woman and Aquaman are at war. It's up to you to fix the timeline. Travel across a diverse set of Flashpoint-inspired locations like the new open-world area of Flashpoint Gotham City, new areas of Atlantis and Themyscira, and even Nightmare Central City. Earn new rewards including a normal and enhanced version of the Pyromaniac Heatwave-inspired gear suit, as well as the ultimate a Doomsday-inspired gear suit. Ready to play? Download DC Universe Online for free on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, Create your own unique superhero or supervillain with special powers and a look of all your own and start playing today. What is DCUO? In DC Universe Online, you create your own unique superhero or supervillain in the legendary DC Universe. Fight alongside hundreds of iconic DC characters like Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, as well as thousands of other players. Level up your powers, master movement modes like flight, learn powerful attacks, and swoop into skillful action combat using a variety of weapons, gadgets, and artifacts. Drawing on comic book storylines for the entire history of DC, your adventures are vast, varied, and always growing. World of Flashpoint is the 40th episode with no end in sight. Inspired by the events of DC's Flashpoint storyline, the next expansion of DC Universe Online is episode 40, World of Flashpoint. It was released April 15th and is free for all players on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. I mean, you'd think for fans, the job of fixing DC's timeline, they'd be like, sign me up. I got this. I've been saying what we should do all along. Well, now's the chance. Now's your chance. Go check it out now. DC Universe Online, World of Flashpoint. Spider-Woman 11, I saw the cover said, classic costume, new villains, great jumping on point, so I jumped back onto the book. I can't believe that worked on you. I saw it, and I thought, oh, who are they kidding here? And it got you. It got me, because I, I read the first couple, I dropped off, and then I was like, you know, I thought maybe, and then I saw the cover, and I was like, okay, fine. I followed orders. <laughs> it was okay. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. I like this book. I really like this character. Poor Sad Sack Roger. The fight it was a just it was a big action sequence through the yeah. whole thing as she fights these two, I don't know, the Spanish brothers who have swords and are very theatrical, we'll say. While ignoring her boyfriend? Yeah, I baby guess. Daddy? Like it's sort of it's no, it's not I don't think it's his baby. No. I don't think. Now I don't remember it's been such a long time, but he's either way, like in the old road trippy days, it was him and her and Ben Urich, and they would go around like solving crimes or, or something like that. And then she got pregnant and had the baby. And then she learned that Roger, who was a supervillain, I think he was the porcupine or the hedgehog, or he had a ridiculous costume. You know, he became the sort of stay at home au pair. And then they sort of started to have a relationship. And now the spoiler is like he wants to propose to her but he can't get a word in. He's very sad. And what I can't tell from it is, and I don't think this is a weakness, is whether he's sad that he can't find a way to tell her the thing or he's like sad that she's kind of ignoring him and not taking him seriously or some combination of those things. I like that. What does she see in him? He's very caring and he's sweet. He's a good soul. 
I think was the deal. Like, and she, you know, he takes care of her son and cares about him. And, you know, like he's there for her all the time. That's kind of the thing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That was okay. I read more. Yeah, I like this character. I don't actually know this creative team at all other than in this book. But, you know, it's pretty good. Captain Marvel 28, uh, did you read this? I did. Yes, I did. So this is the first issue after Carol has broken up with Rhodey and she has slept with Doctor Strange and her life is kind of a mess as she is panicked about the future that is to come with Namor's son, Ova, and the coming apocalypse that's going to kill all the heroes. So she's desperate to learn magic because magic will help her stop Ova. So what I didn't know was who Ova was, and then he showed up at some point, and I was like, that just looks like Namor. So you just explained something to me that helped. Yes. I'd like to Namor's go ahead and thank you for that. I liked this issue a lot. I did too. Here's my one nitpick on page five. We basically see, I believe it's 2053. Yeah. She's trying to stop the world from being ended in 2053. These people are holding up amazingly. Clint <laughs> looks, hasn't aged a day. Well, he has a great skincare routine, Josh. Yeah, but this is not the Clint that we saw in Old Man Hawkeye. No, no, it was. It, I don't know how yeah. much later that was, but he's got a he's got a down road in front of him. Is but, it twenty fifty three or is it just soon? No, it literally says the date. They say the date at some point. It's twenty fifty something. Yeah, so oh, the I next see. Page definitely not definitely not. Yeah, okay, twenty fifty two. So I just that was one. I was like, really going to draw him exactly the same thirty years in the future? Okay. But, you know, as, as far as, I don't know why she got a different outfit other than someone's like, hey, we should design a new outfit for her. Let's more magic-y. Whatever, that's fine. It was good. It was entertaining. It had the little asides and the bits. And I actually really liked the fact that, like, it was super awkward between them. And then, like, he tries to give her a kiss. And she's like, yeah, we're not doing this. I'm going. And then you have one of those sort of, it's like a comic book staple now, is that the the montage of she goes to all the different magic people and they all say no to her. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, I will fun. keep reading it. It's, uh, you know, and, and if you're listening, you're like, I don't know. I just jumped on. I, I, I'd read a little of it. I read the last issue and I read this one. I'm good. So you and can now do you know it who too. Ove is, so you're fine. Yep. Yeah, totally. You put Radiant Black here. Yeah, we're not going to talk about every issue, but I do find this book fascinating. Yeah. In this issue, the main character, <laughs> we see some of his writing. And I was like, oh, he's not that good. I got to say, but then, I know. But then you just realize it isn't supposed to be that good. So I felt, that felt, I felt better about that. And then... It became about the tyranny of the blank page and the blinking cursor, and I like that because that is every writer's, you know, you know, fear. So I didn't like this issue. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, like I think page three, we have to read his story. Yeah, and I was like, I hate that. Like, like only a few people can get away with a big page of text in a comic book, and this isn't one of them. And I just, I was like, this isn't going to matter. So I read about half of it, and I was like, I don't need to read this. Like, I like the story of the, I I don't know, it was a little too, like, here's my inner turmoil as a writer pain. Mm -hmm. And I like it being part of the story. I've really started to notice recently how many stories by writers are about writers. Oh, oh, yeah. I I mean, I know that, but, like, it never used to bother me, and now it's really starting to bother me. I think there's a way to do it. I think the comic has been pretty good. I think, you know, the idea of, you know, like, hey, you have to do the thing if you want to do the thing is a really good theme, but I don't really feel like delving into specifics of what's hard about writing. I've, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been there. I don't want more of it right now. And in that way, I don't feel like we really progress the storyline all that much in this issue. Well, it's interesting is that he has now, like, a story to tell. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's obsessed with th- this short story about this bank robber woman, but he has this other story he could be telling. He's the greatest American hero. He's Darkhawk. Mm-hmm. He's not telling that story right now. I like the interpersonal stuff a lot. I just I think that it was too much time spent on 
mm-hmm. on the intricacies of the writing. And I, on it, I don't think that that's like a a mistake. I don't think it's poorly done. I think it's just a matter of like, well, he's trying to do, he's experimenting with this form and this format. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just don't think it was fully successful. There's pages in here that were the one where he lays down after the whole thing. He's trying to go to sleep and his eyes pop up and he's like, hmm. Because you will always get your idea about what you should do at the exact worst time. You know, yes. I should be sleeping. That's happened to me many, many, many times. There's a lot in there that's relatable, but it's a little too inside. And and half of that might just be that, like, you know, I have my own disappointments in this area. And I was like, I don't really want to focus on this right now. <laughs> I did like the scene where he tries to help the family with their flat tire and he couldn't do it. And his friend makes him a Twitter account. And I don't know why they use the hashtag RadiantBLK. It's just two more letters. Just... Just spell the whole whole name out. No, I don't know, but but uh, well, it's because hashtag Radiant Black is a neo-Nazi group, <laughs> and I don't know that that's true, but uh, it could be, could be very easily. Don't ever click on the hashtags, is what I'm saying. So anyway, I, it's a it's a it's a strange book that I'm I'm still yep. enjoying though. I do like the experimental aspect of it. You couldn't do this in a Darkhawk book, even though it's clearly a Darkhawk book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Justice League sixty. Brian Michael Bendis, Dave Marquez. This is the second issue of the new creative team. Yeah. So after the last issue that that you said, oh, this is a, a new sort of. I went and I read that, and so I, I read this one also. And um, boy, it feels like a Justice League book. Yeah. You know, in a way that I I haven't in some time. This one got a little Bendisy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's really fun to hang out with the characters when he writes them, but I think somebody it might be the Flash is like, so I got to schlep this across town. I was like, stop. <laughs> Make some effort to have them not sound exactly like you. And you're ex- you are extremely charming and you can write and we could sit here and watch these word balloons bounce around all day and it would be incredibly enjoyable. But like, come on, let's try. But I, I like the story of, you know, Superman trying to see the best in Black Adam. And I know that this is just a device because he's going to be in a movie played by The yep. Rock. And I don't care. I, yep. I think it's a really interesting story and nobody else likes it. And there's a lot of interpersonal good interpersonal story that's happening here where they're like, Oh, here he goes again, being Superman. And you know, you've got Ollie queen to be the guy who's like, come on, everybody who disagrees with you just looks, it looks evil. Cause you're you. And you know, I think that's really nice stuff. And mm-hmm. then at the same time, I think, you know, there seems to be no ceiling to what David Marquez can do in terms of getting better and better and better at this. Oh my God. The pages, the fight between Hippolyta and, the, yeah, the dude who's not dark side. The other, this is this is just like the, the, the Bendis's supervillains in in his uh, DC work have been lacking. It's like, how about uh, it's just a big monster? We got to get these people so they can uh, bicker with stuff about something. So we'll put a big monster character in there. Whatever that first one was, the one from Krypton, and now yeah. there's this one. They're very similar. But that fight scene was terrific. Where she, yep. she's knocking him right at us, and then you know we have the blur on the on her staff. It just it's very dynamic. It's got a little bit of manga in it. It's Terrific. I mean, and the character work is obviously great, too. I like how everyone looks a little young, which is what they were supposed to try to do in the first place. Yeah, I really like how he draws Superman. Yes. I noticed that in the last two books. The only, my only, like, he's got the capes dragging on the ground, and I was like, I don't know about that. It's a choice, whatever. But, yeah, there's something about the way that he draws Superman that's, like, almost a little less bulky and a little younger. Mm-hmm. He's kind thinner. Of very he's like Christopher Reeve. Face. Yeah, yeah I, I think it works really well. And then you've got the there's a isn't there a second yeah, storyline in this feature? Yeah, Just League Dark with uh, the Demon and Zatanna and John yep. Constantine. I like that. Something too. about Merlin. Yeah. Yep. And it was really well written and and nicely drawn and <laughs> I do love I do love Etrigan sitting at the conference table. 
while other people are forced to stand, by the way. That's Ram V and Hermonico. On the Hermonico. For that one. Merlin is back, and he's an asshole. And yep. so the Justice League Dark is, is going to deal with him. In, he's also showing up over at the same time in the Black Knight book that came out this week. That's right. And I was like, you guys need to talk this out. Because... <laughs> It gets confusing. I was thinking, and I don't want to spend more than a minute on this, is if you recall in the old days when Bendis started on Avengers and it felt like a real, important, vital book in the Marvel Universe, and now I don't know why books like Justice League or Avengers don't feel that way anymore. It's not because the content isn't there. I just don't know why they no longer feel vital to the... like Avengers just, felt like you had to be reading Avengers if you were wanting to follow the story in Marvel. And I don't know I just, why it doesn't like. I anymore. just think it's the it's the nature of our pick and choose world, and everything is so specialized that you only have to focus on the thing that you want to, on the little grains and nits and pieces, and people just don't have the desire for the the big thing that everybody's doing so much anymore because it's all about you know the very specific niche of the thing that you want to watch. I don't know if that's true in comics, though. I mean, I think it's everything, and I think it's bleeding into comics. You know, because it's so much easier to sort of just pick and choose everything. And, and you know, maybe also just, you know, Bendis is a 50-year-old man. I don't even just mean Bendis because we've had other, other writers on these books. I just mean in general. Like, they tried running the DC story through Justice League before with metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just didn't feel vital. And Avengers mm-hmm. hasn't felt important. You know, like, you know, it's like a weird side. Like, hell, this week it was about King of Black. But metal was about this. You know what I mean? Like, like... Or metal was that thing, you know, when it was on. Or like, you know, King and Black was that thing. So it's not the book anymore. It's the event, at least for the last couple. Does that seems to be the thing? There's, I mean, it's just like there's no superstars. There's no, it's not really hot books anymore. It doesn't feel like sexy books. Yeah, I don't know. Those books need to get to the gym. Good question. It's something we should we should revisit. We should think about. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. There's a lot of them this week. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. And every patron votes to add a bo- can vote to add a book to the rundown. They don't all vote. But this week, the wire-to-wire winner was Way of X number one, Cy Spurrier, Bob Quinn, Hava Tartaglia, and Clayton Cowles is the creative team. And I'm actually really glad this was the patron pick, Josh, because I was going to read this, but you definitely were not. Actually, I, I, I saw what the title was, and I kind of want that. And then I saw the creative team, and I said, okay, I probably would have read that if I noticed right. it. So I read it. I would have either way. What I liked is that, you know, when the whole Krakoa storyline started, we were both checking out the X-Men books. I'm still reading a couple of them. Our whole thing, which people didn't like to hear, was that the X-Men had become dicks. And that this, this was not a good way they were going. You know, we called that early. I'm going to pat us on the back for that. And this whole issue is about that idea that the X-Men are dicks now. And it's not good. And it, I liked the generational divide between an old school X-Men like Nightcrawler and a bunch of n- young mutants. They're like really arrogant assholes because they can't die and all they do is hang out and bang each other and it's breeding a very sort of toxic culture on Krakoa. I thought the scene where they go on the mission and they all want Pixie to get shot and killed because she hasn't died yet and they're all like, oh, shoot her, shoot her, go ahead, yeah. And it was like very disturbing. Yeah. That was really effective. I guess it was. I just don't feel any connection to it. Mm-hmm. It was the thing. I don't know. It's like it's it's like you're... you're I, I, it's probably maybe why I'm not into a superhero book is to just read like how dysfunctional this has become. You know, while I try to think about what the metaphor is and what we're trying to say, or even just like what's affecting it to make this story be a thing. 
and I, I largely, I still always have a trouble with the X-Men books in that I just don't know who most of the characters are other than sort of recognizing them. And so I feel like there's character work going on that I don't really get a lot of times other than if we're just talking about the main X-Men. So like, I don't know anything about Pixie. I know she showed up in Runaways recently. And, and you know, we've been in this thing for a while. I, you know, I think the concept is correct. Like, oh, people in Krakoa are terrible now. But I'm like, well, how long are we going to have to do this? I don't, I don't want them to be that. I want them to be superheroes. Right, and it, you know. this is a sort of the culmination. This is like yeah. act two of this Hickman storyline, right? It's like the first act was building up this world, and this is awesome, but there was always a little dark vein through it. And now it's like Nightcrawler, who's sort of the moral center of the X-Men, always has been in a, in a way. Uh, it's like, this isn't good. And you're all act like jerks, and the metaphor is that young people are terrible. That's what I think. I mean, is that what it is? Is it like people our age talking about like Gen Z people and be like, Ugh, stop dancing on TikTok. It, why are you all like this? So all you do is lip sync on TikTok? Is that all you do all day? I, don't start me. <laughs> so Don't. Anyway, I, I, I thought this was good because it got us to the point that you and I have been seeing since the very beginning. Now, I didn't love everything in this issue. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to keep reading this book necessarily, I thought this could have worked as a one-shot. Like, this is a one-shot to sort of reorient where we're going. I don't know that no, it necessarily needs to be its own thing. Because there's already a million X-Men books. Yeah. But I did enjoy yeah. it. I really was disturbed by the where they went on the mission. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't really, I, I was struggling by the end of it. I actually went in with a pretty good, like, when I heard when I heard the title, you were like, Patron Pick's going to be this. And I was like, all right, fine. And then I saw the team, and I was like, all right, let's go in. Maybe this will be a different thing. And, you know, I think Size Barrier is really good. But sometimes if a good writer applies themselves to a, a thing that I don't really have any affection for, it just sort of goes away. So by the end, I was I was like, all right, let's just get to the end. I think was this one was longer. I think this was one of the 40 pages. <laughs> yeah, it's 40 pages. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was on like page 23 or four. And I was like, this, why isn't this over? Why is this still going? But uh, yeah. Giuseppe Kevin Coley cover I liked a lot. Uh, ratings. Ratings on ratings. Way of X, number one, out of five stars. I'm going to give it. Three and a half. Two and a quarter. But that's very subjective. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's all subjective. I thought it was really good Bob Quinn art. Like, he's done, he's been up and down, but I thought this really worked well. Are you going to read issue two? Nope. No, I'm not. I'm on the fence. I'll see what the week's like when it comes out. Yeah. I just, I just don't. No, it's fine. You don't, you don't need to care about all, everything in common. No, I just, don't, I just don't understand. Like, how has Xavier not learned anything by now? <laughs> how does he have no fucking perspective at all? You know, how does... He's a zealot. Yeah. You know? I guess. Which absolutely makes sense that he would be a zealot. Like, I get it. But I, I still feel like there need to be more of those characters. And I, I actually think it's interesting that, that Wolverine isn't, hasn't been that character from the beginning. He's too busy banging everybody. Maybe, but I feel judgment. Like he would be the one guy to see, like, the bullshit of it. He's finally in a relationship with Gene. He's too busy. Fair enough. Is he? Is that what's going on over there? He's in a throuple with Gene and Scott. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, I showed my age with that response. I know. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go add a book to the rundown. But if you give it the $5 or higher level, get your own superpower live on the show like these people. James Reardon has, is the creaser. He has, can add or remove creases from anything. 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 So... Say that you have a piece of pizza <laughs> and you've decided to fold it, but it's too crispy. And then when you do that, it cracks the crust and all of a sudden you've got a problem on you. You can remove that crease. Mm. Say that you just bought a new shirt 
mm-hmm. and it's one of them ones that was in the that was in the bag wrapped around a piece of cardboard, you know, and you're like, oh, I want to wear the shirt, but now I got to wash it and iron it, and it's not going to feel like a new shirt after I do that. Suck those little that that cardboard crease. I love when you see somebody on TV, by the way, who's clearly just taking their shirt out of the bag. Yeah, my favorite thing. Yeah, yep. So he can crease or decrease anything. He can crease not decrease, or decrease. Like Yeah, yeah. He can put a crease in or take a crease out. Not just fabric, perfect. though. It could be any items. Could be the. I could be could be a cement sidewalk. He could crease that some bitch. <laughs> Ryan Howard, if Ryan Howard eats meat. For the next 24 hours, he can turn into the animal he just ate. Not the actual animal, but a version of the animal. So, for instance, if he yeah. has a chicken, he can turn into a chicken for 24 hours, for the next 24 hours, at his, at his leisure. Chicken, <laughs> cow, pig. You know, yeah, he'd, he'd probably start getting into some pretty crazy game just to sure. split, split things up. Venison, go run like a deer. You know. Do you, were you with me? I don't think so. I think it was with Ron. There was some oddly some Australian restaurant in Midtown and we had like kangaroo skewers. Really? Yes. Wow. Which Where was I, I still feel bad about, but also makes a great story. I don't know why I feel bad about it. There was some, you know, hole in the wall barbecue place in like Brooklyn many years ago, like 20 plus years ago. They had everything. It's like, I'll try that snake and I'll try that crocodile. Mm-hmm. So I could have turned into all kinds of fun things if I had Ryan Howard. Then after that, people were like, yeah, but about the sustainable thing. And they were like, I see. We shouldn't do that. And then they pulled their hair up into top knots and then started doing vegan shit. <laughs> Dancing on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did the other night, just so you oh, know, no. oh, God. is I just started writing down a lot of things. So I have a big list here. And I'm just realizing now that some of these are very dumb. Oh, powers. I thought you were like grievances. No, no, I don't have grievances. But I have a big list, and I thought, I was like, this is brilliant. And it was like the thing that like a drunk person would do and wake (laughs) up and go, what is this? But here we are, Uh and what happened is that Chris Hunter, and I'd written this down before, so it's nothing to do with what you just said, has the ham touch. Ham touch. (laughs) Anything he touches turns to ham. (laughs) (laughs) Like Midas. He's got the ham touch. So, oh, it's not like they don't turn like slices of ham or like a ham. It's just like ham. So, if you touch this microphone, it'd be a microphone shaped yeah, ham. I mean, he can control it. He's not inadvertently changing. No, no but I mean, is, is it in the shape of the thing he touched? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. It, it takes on the property and be, the matter what kind changes of ham? the ham. I mean, this is the part where you start having to work in and use your imagination, but I'm going to say. I'm going to say that it turns into the type of ham that is most appropriate for the item. Mm. So if we're talking, what's that really expensive, like Spanish ham? Oh, yes. Uh, like, not know. prosciutto, but the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, he's got the touch of ham. <laughs> I mean, so you said that was dumb, but I think that's not dumb. I, that's the one that I picked out. There was a bunch of others in there that were dumb. I'm not going to use this, so I'll I, I'll just I'll give you. I wrote radar nipples. <laughs> Jamon. <laughs> Do you mean Jamon ham? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, Jamon's just, just no Jamon. Not, not 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 Jamon. Jamon. Yeah. Someone will know. J a m o n. Okay. Spanish I don't ham. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't think that's it. Hang okay. on. You talk. Radar nipples. No one's getting radar nipples though. Martin that's the thing. Martin Gray. Him and whatever he's wearing is 100% waterproof. So, mm-hmm. you know, rain, nothing, no rain. You could drop him in a body of water and it would just separate around him. 
Well, here's the thing, though. Is yeah. it breathable? Because that really is the key. Yeah. That you want in your modern technical fabric. Yeah, yeah. No, but his his skin and hair, everything's waterproof. Mm-hmm. So it's all got to be breathable to a certain you extent. You should move it. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is it always that? Can he not get wet? Is that his yeah. great, like, he's like, I just want to swim, but he can't? <laughs> it's a great tragedy of his power. And I think as we know, Martin Gray, long-time listener, lives in the UK, so this might be helpful for him. If, you know, It's true. But maybe, like, But it's also yeah, a, it a little sad. Yeah. I guess if it cools the air around you, it's like everything is air-conditioned. That's true. Huh. That's true. Does his internal sort of biological cooling system work? Yes. You know, the, the perspiration, whatnot. Yeah, because it's coming from the inside out. Okay. But okay, good. outside in, like you, you, you could dump a bucket of water in his head and just nothing. It's, I mean, it's no ham touch, but. <laughs> Fine. Martin Gray's radar nipples. <laughs> That's mine. You can't have it. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. <laughs> you can get your own superpower live on the show uh, like these people just did. And real quick, we'll go and say. Uh, Patreon.com is where people support, come support the show. They unlock content for everyone. They unlock the talk explodes and the book explodes and the media explodes and the YouTube content and the monthly patron hangouts. All that's unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. They have the Discord server. They have the Facebook group. A lot of people joined both of them this week. And it's a lot of fun. We have stretch goals. More of that stuff will come if people join up. And we, we do appreciate everyone who does that. Ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can get t-shirts from us. We have a new design that we're working on. We have a couple that we're thinking about. Well, hopefully in this year we'll have a couple more shirts but you can find our current designs. There's eight of them. Uh, I'm all hoping over. this ham thing takes <laughs> off. I found it at threadless.com. I found out slash support is where you can help us out via PayPal if you don't want to become a patron or buy a shirt, which is totally fine. You just want to leave a tip at the tip, tip, tip jar. People do that at ifanboy.com slash support. And ifanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can find links to our books, blood books, and a general link. And that's how all the ways people support the show. We thank them all who do so. Now, here's where we have our choice. Do we end at a reasonable time or do we do an email? I'm fine with doing an email, but I do want to go ahead and come back in. Uh, what we were thinking of was uh, Hamon Iberico. So Hamon means ham. Mm. So it's Iberico ham, Iberico which is ham. acorn-fed ham. Ooh. One leg of it weighing 13 to 17 pounds can cost up to $4,500. Oh, man. So then, so he's got a good business going then. If he can, yeah. He can I see, I see a listing it. here on Amazon and it's eleven hundred eighty-six dollars. He could turn a, anything into that ham and make a make a fortune. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. Chris Hunter's hams—that could be his, his business. Mm-hmm. Hunter hams. Got that ham touch? Ham hands. <laughs> he's not—he's ham-handed, but not in the bad way. Scott H from Portland, Oregon, says, "I've been thinking about this question since I started following the comics media in the mid two thousands. Is the comics the medium with the least amount of critical or audience consensus?" There are a lot of books and a lot of different types of books, and it feels like there's just a cacophony of viewpoints out there. This is likely because the comics media is made up entirely of fans. With film, there's often reference to a critical consensus and also sometimes an audience consensus. I've never really felt that comics have had a critical or audience consensus of much of anything short of Watchmen is great, Jack Kirby is great, which of course they are. Another way to put it might be that comics has always felt to me to have less of a monoculture than any other medium, movies, TV, etc. Am I onto something or just rambling? You're rambling. I mean, that's just, but that's fine. That's what this is for. I mean, I think this is related to the thing that we were talking about earlier because he says since the mid-2000s, I mean, that's when you've seen the culture of media completely change from being a thing that, like, there was a focal point that things revolved around to, you know, a split up, a long tail sort of tree of different things. And now that everybody, say, social media, Twitter, 2006, 2007, 
uh, we're we're gonna try not to talk about TikTok for a minute or two. <laughs> you know, it starts to give everybody their little platform, and the you know you're talking about since 2000, everybody had their little platform. You know, before that, there were a couple of like print media outlets and you know things like that, but there wasn't. You're you're seeing the the rise of of fan criticism of fan, you know, like this semi-professional, you know, pro-am thing where everybody has an opinion. And I don't think it's any different with movie or TV. You can find an article that says anything about anything. It's just that there isn't really a gatekeeper for comics anymore. You know, like, it, like, yeah. I would say it's not necessarily wrong, but I also think that there's not academia around comics. There's not mm. a critical study of comics like there is of film and television. You don't have you know scholarly works being done about comics. It is a fan culture. Comics media is fan media. It's fa- it's uh, fan press. So it always has been because it's just it's such a small culture. So you don't have you know scholars who get you know people getting their PhD. There might be some out there, but you don't, for the most part, you don't get people getting their PhD on comic book study like you do for film study. Yeah, Honor you know? and I went to school. You know, we did film and TV classes. Like we did high end classes on television. Right. So that gives you a basis. Now, not not everybody's going to be you know, affected by that, but at least as a sort of starting point that we all know, you know, there's a reason the Sopranos is, is regarded. It's the way- a niche. Nothing wrong with yeah. that. Comics are a niche. They're a subculture. Yeah. That's just the way it's always been and nothing wrong with that, but it just means it's not like a, it's not a critical consensus because there isn't like a canon because there isn't like a, there isn't a, a scholarly look at it. And again, interesting way to look there at are it. some college classes on comics and there are people who I'm sure have studied comics, but it's a much smaller a percentage than the people who have studied other media. There's music, you know, music theory. And, and also because there's no sort of, I was going to say mainstream, but sort of overarching sort of starting point. Like it's very difficult to weed out worthy criticism and study of comics from all of the other stuff. It all looks the same. I mean, you have to read everything all the time and sort of like, oh, okay, here's, here's something worth reading. And I think it's very hard. So that's why people, you know, tend to, and obviously we're part of this, you know, you gravitate towards somebody who has a voice that you relate to or respect so that you can sort of get some of those ideas, you know, from somebody who has some consistency. But I mean, Christ, like I can't read comic reviews. I don't know where they're coming from. I'm like, this is, it's just, everybody's like come up with their own version of thinking about it, which is, I guess, sort of related to your academic thing you're talking about. Like there's a way to talk about those things. There's, there's Pauline Kael. There's, you know, Roger Ebert. There's, a starting point, which there isn't in comics, I guess. Like there's, it's not objective, but no, there's sort objective. of a, there's a framework though for looking at sort of what this stuff means. There's, you know, like, okay, well look at John Ford, Howard Hawks, you know, what are the things here that were taken and then moved on? And then what did people take from Japan? What did people take from, you know, the Vava? It's none of that in comics. Yeah. I think. So there's no framework for it. Maybe God, I could talk about this forever. I think it's just because it's a fan-led culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to joke about comics media. There is no comics media. No, it's just a bunch of, and we were, and we were a part of it. It's, it's just a bunch of fans Absolutely. doing Entertainment Weekly. There's no critical, the Comics Journal, yeah. but they're they have their own. Even problems. that's so niche that yeah, you know, it has its own issues. But like the like, there's no way to have your your opinion justified other than you know a bunch of people pay attention to it. But that doesn't even mean anything. There's no quali- like it's a hard, it's hard to find a qualified opinion because nobody even agrees on what those qualifications are. And we're not knocking it. Again, we were part. We, we have been part of it for 20 years. Yeah. we've been right in the middle of it. Uh, we've been we've sat on those panels at Comic Con. We sat in those comics media panels, laughing internally because there's no such thing as comics media. <laughs> I think we got into an argument about it on one of those panels. 
Oh, we definitely have. And I think that <laughs> this might have changed over time, but yeah, you know. Or comics journalism, I should say. There's no comics journalism. There's journalism. Comics media. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There's people who take it and what they do very seriously who don't necessarily have a context for the world that they're doing it within, if that makes sense. Like Connor and I, you know, we've developed a context for what this is. I think we both think we're pretty good at this. We have something to say that's worth listening to. But also it's in it exists in the in the jungle. Also, we don't forget it's silly at the end of the day. It's very silly. I used to say on those panels that we don't consider ourselves in comics journalism. journalism for sure. We consider ourselves entertainers. Yes. At our foundational level. And right. But it's also true that part of the thing that we do here, even even the more academic sort of analysis and sort of reading through like, hey, why is this good? Why is this not good? Look at the way this panels are stricken. That's still entertaining. You know, like it's not a college course. It's not me trying to tell you what's up. It's like, hey, look what we noticed and look how that fits into this thing that's been going on for 20 years. You know, I hope you find some value out of this because we do. And that's entertaining. We should also note that for anyone who's come around in the last couple of years is like, well, of course, you're not fucking journalist. The website used to have full written articles and reviews and interviews and news pieces. And, you know, we used to do like a whole thing that was considered comics media. But we never considered it to be journalism because it was not. Because we know what real journalism is. It's Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, at best. At best, on a good day. It's a pretty well done zine. Right. What I mean is like entertainment media, and I, we really do have to stop this conversation. Entertainment media is mostly about promoting entertainment products. Yes. Even the most mainstream and well-regarded entertainment media is still about promoting films and TV shows and actors and studios. That's what comics media is. Nothing wrong with it. That's just what it is. It's not hard hitting. There's no inter- there's no investigative journalism in comics media. And, and when just, there is, it's 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 not it's not using the same standards and resources that like actual journal because in most instances the stakes are much lower. But I think that if you look at most stories on a like a comic book news website, I'm air quoting the shit out of this, you're going to be able to fit them into some dude's opinion mm-hmm. or marketing piece for something that's. Com- press release or movie stills all the websites have the same stories because they get the same press release and then they rewrite them yeah. and then that's we did the same thing yeah we did the same thing movie and stills press releases and then opinion pieces yep all right all right we have to stop this conversation we're starting to sound self-important we're not that's all that's why i was trying to take the air out of it right i know i know but it's silly by the idea of understanding that it's self-important it starts to sound self-important like there's no like, look how aware of this. No, I'm not, you know, I did the same thing. But we're, we're just trying to have fun. We said at the top of the show. We said at the top of every show. Did we do it? We're trying to have fun. We're trying to help you have fun. I'll tell you what. I know it's not journalism, but I think some people, including us, learned about ham this week. <laughs> I did. What? I learned about Spanish yeah. ham. Yep. Yeah. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can write in like Scott. You can also write in for a question for the monthly media explode show. You can Please ask do. Non-comics media questions we've gotten a few of those we like doing them at the end of that show so if you want to uh stick media explode in the subject line yes so we that will help we help can find it because we have a lot of emails you can do both but contact at ifanboy.com is how you can get to us if you think we are wrong which you may and there's totally your right to do i would like to specify that when he says we get a lot of email that's true but we can always use more excellent questions because yes. that we can use more of that. So that isn't to say, hey, we get a lot of email, we're ignoring you. A lot of junk in there. A lot of press releases is what it is. Yeah. You have no idea how many press releases these comic book people send out. Every day. Every minute. Friday it afternoon. Always, Friday oh. evening. Don't these people oh. know anything. Head over to ifanboy.com. Find out all of our <laughs> shows are there. 
There's the self-importance. All of our vast... <laughs> no one's paying attention Friday afternoon. Or this part of the show. <laughs> you can find all the writing we were just talking about. Years and years of website writing, opinion pieces, reviews, interviews, news items. All of it is at fanboy.com. You can find it all there at facebook.com slash ifanboys, where you can follow us on, at ifanboy on Twitter, at ifanboycomics on Instagram, so you can find out what the pick league is before the show comes out. Individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. And you can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy, where we are uploading all of our old video shows that the patrons unlocked this past week. There was a mini on Mystic 57, which was a British reprint of old Marvel monster comics featuring some Jack Kirby craziness. And then our two-part shows on New York Comic Con 2009. That's not the we didn't we weren't doing funny intros yet. No, no, that that's when we got bored. That was years. That, that, was, that was the next year. It was that we we did the ER one in, in Chicago in 2010 because that was right after my son was born, and then we did that we did the ER one there, and I think after that we we went on a tear. Yeah, that we, ER intro is the best thing we ever did. We can talk about that next time we talk about it, but that's I'm not all of the conversation. I, but that's that's if not you me. like the show, you can write us a review on one of the podcast apps on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can like the YouTube videos we just talked about. You can subscribe to our TikTok. <laughs> we don't have where Connor and I do various yeah. uh, lip syncing and 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 challenges. We do we do a good number of challenges where we fling our bodies at stuff and then narrate what a dog does. Oh, if God. you. <laughs> Better yet, tell your friends, uh, your letter carrier, your mom, tell your, tell your TikTok viewers, administrator. Definitely tell your TikTok viewers, but probably do it in song style. I recommend, in memory of uh, Shock G, taking a digital underground song and replacing the lyrics with something about us while doing a, a pretty good dance. Because if you're not doing a good dance, it's it's hard to get eyeballs on you. Or you know, and, you start start lip syncing our show on TikTok. Make it a make that a challenge. Yeah, that's a oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't even know if that makes sense or is true. I just these and then just... the extra part would be to eat ham <laughs> while you do it. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to get real, real out there with this. You want you want to talk about niche culture? Let's do this. Thanks to everybody for listening. I had the fun. I think I was looking for. I hope you did. Yeah, and if you're still listening, I applaud you. Yes, thank you. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. We're not done yet. Get a vaccine. Yeah, please, please. Thank you, everyone. Down!